0: Hello friends, it's episode three of section 103. I gave you the same introduction I give my writers friends We're all friends in this uh, zoom room that we're in right now this uh, virtual space and we're happy to be with you Once again, Alex Woltz here along with my friends Dylan Balsamo and Michael Hernandez Dylan's waving on the camera. You can't see it, but he is waving. Happy to see you. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm good. I was waving to you. Oh, waving to me? Oh, see, I thought you loved the audience that much. I didn't know I
1: I, I, I do, but I know they can't see me because it's a podcast
0: Michael, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. You
0: know, Um, just,
2: uh, you know, just enjoying my vacation and, you know, just getting ready to going back to Fordham.
0: Now, when you say vacation, you mean summer vacation or are you actually on vacation?
2: No, I mean summer vacation. I've been, uh, ironically, I'm, I'm more busy now than I probably will be uh, at Fordham, you know, just, but um, everything wrapped up. So I guess right now is like, I'm on like a four day quote unquote break because I go back on Friday. So.
0: Yeah, it's remarkably true. Uh, we were, we've we talked about this before, you and I, Michael, about how the summer has legitimately been more busy for people than the semester was. That's why Kaylee can't join us again today. But even for me, I mean, I just wrapped up a class last week, finally, and still, just one thing after another. I know, Dylan, you've been busy covering the Mets. Mike, you're always at Yankee Stadium. I'm covering the Yankees. Everybody's got their things going on. But we find time to make a podcast, and I think that's what's most important. And, and we have to start this in one way, is as we got on this Zoom call today, uh, Dylan was here eating a fine apple, just minding his own business. This is very off topic for those, but this is what, how we started this. And he brought up an important question and a topic of conversation about ranking the fruits based on their, on their buoyancy. Now, Dylan, since you pitched it, Michael and I are going to be quiet and let you just talk now because I'd love for you to start the podcast like this.
1: Well, number one is definitely limes. Why is that? Citrus is known for its buoyancy. Very what good. about lemons? What about lemons? Well, that, that puts lemons there. That also puts oranges there. So that's very exciting. After that, it's going to be the apples. And obviously, I think Granny Smith is number one, followed by Red Delicious. Why Why is that Uh, obvious? It's the Granny Smith apples, Alex. Like, what is this, second grade? Get with it. It's Granny Smith and then Red Delicious, Macintosh, and whatever those yellow ones are. And then uh, Bananas Just Sink, so there's that.
0: You think about this in your free time? I think you probably do
1: maybe i do and if i do there's no problem with
0: that well now the whole world knows your list anything else you want to share about that i wanted to give you the floor to just tell us about your your fruit list
1: i guess that's really all my thoughts next week i'll do the vegetables
0: next week so this is going to be how we start every podcast from now mike you have anything you want to add there i really just think i've never tested this fruits based on their buoyancy i mean you always got to wash your fruit before you eat it people don't do that or, or just wrong but i think i think it's is necessary
2: yeah i mean uh I don't think I have anything to add about that. uh, To be honest, Uh, I I don't think I've ever thought about that. So, um, but but, I mean, if anything, next week I'll get back to you on that.
0: Okay, so we'll save it for next week then.
1: I'll tease next week. Do you think salary floats? The answer might surprise you. Well,
0: it has a little ridge in it, doesn't it? So I think it would. That's for for next. That's for next week. That's for next week. Okay. So in terms of today, we've got more important things to talk about. More important things on our mind, and that's of course the Olympics. We spent a lot of time talking about the Olympics. And we had a lot of success there. U.S., of course, takes the most medals in it. Uh, But we don't have to mention Fiona Murtak from Ireland wins the silver. So we have some Fordham representation there, as does Nick Martinez, pitched a gem on the mound in the final game for Team USA to win a silver medal there as well. So much to unpack here, I think, with this Olympics. And my main takeaway was that there was so much noise going into it about the uncertainty, about the coronavirus, about the problems of it. It felt, though, to me very much like every other Olympics. And it was something I think you're very grateful to see. And I think there was a great article on ESPN that talked about how through all the trying times, through all the problems, especially with this Olympics, there is no place that has more controversy in sports than the Olympics. It's persisted every year. And this year, I think, was was no exception. And that's really important to take away from all of this.
1: Well, you know, Alex, the, the Olympics, you know, as a concept, you, they're conceptually, just a, a beautiful thing that we get to do as human beings, just the celebration of sport. And of humanity, and of uh, of sportsmanship, and and people, and, and and working together, and all these different types of things. That being said, it is almost impossible for the Olympics to happen without some kind of controversy. Um, you know, basically half tearing down a city to put the proper uh, the proper means into it to host the Olympics. Uh, you know, it's it's all it's never going to be uh, without issue, and especially of course this year to even have had the Olympics this year was something that's up for question. I jokingly said to you guys before we started the podcast, you know, can't wait to see the Tokyo variant, but um, the Tokyo drift, we're gonna to have to call it. But <laughs> at the, at the end of the day, um, the Olympics did happen, and there was plenty of of upside to it. There was plenty of the the wonderful things that we love about sports and a lot of the things that we have not gotten to see in the last eighteen months, truly, um, we, we got to witness, and those things are just wonderful, and they're part of what makes being a human being here on this planet so wonderful. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I, I was basically going to say some of that. Um, I mean, you know, obviously having it every four years is what makes it special, and especially after the year that we've all had, um, you know, I, I feel like uh, this was a good, you know, uh, return to normalcy, and uh, and now you know all of the Olympians are now getting ready for. Uh, I believe it's in Paris, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, for, for the summer,
0: yeah, but the, yeah, there's exactly. a Beijing in between at the winter, but yeah, for the next. Oh, it's Beijing
2: Olympics. in the winter, yeah. So you know, everyone who who participated um, uh, in the Olympics now now they're just relaxing. I'm hoping, and uh, and you know they're just gearing up for Paris.
0: And I think there's a lot of you know the best part about the Olympics to me is always individual stories and. I think a lot of the cool things that NBC did from a coverage standpoint was you would see, you know, a a racer, for example, win. And then they cut to their family at home. You know, a a swimmer from Alaska who doesn't even, you know, have that's not known for swimming necessarily out there. And you see your whole crowd going crazy over family at home. You have swimmers that grow up in a country that don't have any seas around them winning Olympic medals. You've got, you know, the history being made left and right. You have guys sharing the podium, two gold medals in a a, uh, high jump event. So I think all of that or pole vault, excuse me. But I think all of that put together is what makes the Olympics so special. And, you know, when you look back to the, to the past Olympics and you see the crowds for somebody, I was watching Usain Bolt's house the other day because I think he's, he's incredible. Watching his, his races and you see the crowds and how incredible that is. And that wasn't there. It wasn't the same, obviously. And the controversy that we talked about, it's always warranted. I mean, the Olympics, as you mentioned, Dylan, you have to tear down cities to make it happen. And that's certainly going to cause a lot of problems, especially now with you know the coronavirus this year and a country that is still overcoming the virus. There's problems there too. But the reason why you always watch the Olympics is the individual stories. I think that's the thing that that wasn't lost. And, you know, there was a lot of really great behind the scenes pieces that you see of individual stories. And all those things are still really special. And I think that that is the part of it that I really enjoy, is just getting to see athletes that don't get a stage usually. You know, in this Olympics, you had people at a young age. You had people of different uh, genders and sexualities and, and races and all these different people all coming on that same same stage to succeed. And I think that's that's a really special part of it, you knowing that I never really lose that individual element of what an athlete accomplishes and how special it is to them. It's all about getting on that podium at the end of the day. And that that never gets lost even around the different surroundings that, that were existing in this Olympics.
1: Yeah, you know, that is really what makes this uh, events like this so special. I mean you alluded to the the two um pole vaulter sharing the gold. Um I cried hysterically when I saw it I was like oh my goodness this this is what it's all about right here. That's that's it right there. And just thinking of, of this Olympics and you know, as we as humanity try and be uh, just move forward as a society and, and move forward as, as better people to see, you know, this is the most progressive Olympics really we've ever had of um, openly transgender athletes competing um, uh, and, and uh, people of different sexualities being able to, c- to compete in these Olympics is, is still kind of a new thing. Um, and it was wonderful to see all of that happen on this stage where the world can celebrate it together. There really is, there are a few things more powerful than that, if you ask me.
0: And I think something along that lines that you mentioned, Dylan, is about the ability for, for the Olympics to kind of unite people in some senses. And you think about the, you mentioned this before we started, something you want to talk about was about just the demographics of these sports in terms of women's sports getting a lot of traction. I think this is something that has been really interesting that in a, in a place where you saw what happened with the women's college world series, and that, that was a, just to me a pinnacle of women's sports getting its shine that severely outranked what the men's world series got uh, for college baseball. You talk about the growth of the WNBA, you talk about the United States women's uh, soccer team and all these different women's sports that are really getting a great amount of success. And the Olympic stage is a place where a lot of those barriers that people would have against those sports don't exist anymore. And I think the Olympics is a good Avenue where you could see those things start to change. And, and this year was, was no uh, exception to that
1: certainly i also think that um the, the way i like to say it is you know a lot of people will say that you know a league like the wmba for example is never going to be on par with the nba because uh, people just don't want to watch it as much but you know you you see the the events in the olympics that 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 captivate uh, that captivate our audiences more than anything else when they hit prime time whether it be gymnastics or, or women's swimming or mm. all these different events They prove that there is an audience for this. What they need is the same amount of exposure. And it seems like they only really get it every four years. And that's the real problem here. I'm a big advocate of, I promise you, there's as much of an audience for the WNBA as there is for the NBA. You gotta give it the same amount of exposure though. You gotta put it on at the same networks and gotta give it the same amount of prime time. You gotta give it the same amount of national attention. There is an audience there. I promise you it's there. And the Olympics are just excellent proof of that. Uh,
2: I completely agree, Dylan. Uh, I'm gonna piggyback off of what you said about the exposure. Uh, take for example uh, the women's champion, Le- uh, Champions League. Both the men's and the women's Champions Leagues are being streamed on Paramount Plus, and <laughs> at, uh, at least, uh, and I can speak at this uh, from a fact. Um, last year when I was watching the Champions League, they were promoting um uh, the woman, uh, the way for women's Champions League. So you know, I feel like I do agree there needs to be more exposure because, like you said, you know, the only time that the majority of the public will even talk about the, the women's national team is either during the World Cup or during the Olympics. So, you know, uh, and I feel like if if we do get the exposure, then, you know, there definitely will be, um, you know, the uh, there will be more people watching it.
0: Yeah, I never even thought about that with the Olympics, about how you never even think about what sport is getting shown. You never think about what uh, gender it is. You never think about any of that because it's just sport. And I think that's so important yeah. today with the Olympics is that You think about why do we love the olympics we love the individual comeback stories you love athletic achievement you love competition you love the joy of winning and the the horror of losing that that's the things that everybody loves about sports the olympics has that and so do women's sports i think that's such an important point dylan that you bring up the olympics is a space where it gets that shine and you see the results of that so i think that's a really important thing to mention and in general just such an interesting olympics you know i think so much coming into it so much noise and at the end of the day i'm sad now when i go to bed at midnight and there's nothing on tv i think that's the thing that makes me the, the saddest and I'm just curious for you guys, do you have any final impressions about what this was and what Beijing might look like as we head into the Winter Olympics with such a quick turnaround? It's almost like we're a bit lucky to have this many global sports going on at the same time. But again, I mean, it's just, you have to think about the Olympics are just here to stay regardless of what comes uh, around it.
1: You know, Alex, I, I don't know how the history books are going to look at the Tokyo Olympics. I feel like we're not really going to know that for another year or so because that's probably as long as it's going to take to see the real effects of this, whether it be just from not even from a COVID standpoint and how we view this as perhaps some kind of super spreader event in, in the worst of scenarios, but also like any um, global event, um, a possible human rights violation to, um, uh, to build up an Olympics. But that is something that is uh, a caveat to almost every global event on the scale of the Olympics. Um, that being said, though, all of those things that we just talked about in terms of what the beauty of, of, of international sport and, and global events, uh, they all still stand They're They're all still there. So all that being said, when it comes to Beijing, you know, you hope the world's going to be in a much better place um, than it is right now. But, you know, we also said the same thing a year ago when we didn't have the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and here we are a year later having them. So I don't know what it's going to be. Um, but nevertheless, it will still be a a, a, pl- a place to celebrate, more than anything, uh, humanity. And that's really what, to me, this is all about. I don't know about you, Michael.
2: Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, th- there's not really much more that I can add, you know, except, um, you know, hopefully, that, um, hopefully the Olympics will continue. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that it will happen. I, I think it will happen. Um, And it's just going to be, you know, um, interesting to see how it all pans out.
0: It's a good point. You do wonder how long these things can persist. But I think if we can get through a year like this, that's a good sign for optimism. And you know what I think is gonna be the hardest thing about this Olympics, looking back at it, Dylan, as you mentioned, let's say 100 years from now, the 2020 Olympics happened in 2021. I think That is the trickiest part. Um, But there is some other news going on internationally. Um, Not a a whole lot in the domestic area right now, really, in terms of U.S. sports. But the the biggest story right now, and and we're all soccer guys here, so we have to talk about it, is Mr. Lionel Messi. And, man, I I don't know what the reaction is to this because we've known for a long time that there was some rifts at Barcelona. This is not news necessarily, but it seemed, as Michael, you and I were talking about this a few months ago, it seemed everything was going to go as planned and he was going to stay. Uh, and now all of a sudden we find out there's some issues they can't come to a deal and now he ends up at Paris Saint-Germain which was really an equally a surprising part of this. So I mean you, Michael you're all over this news. What what's your takeaway from this and how you how you just look at it because I was a little surprised when I when I first heard this.
2: Yeah, um I mean when I first heard it I was in shock. I mean obviously you know as you said we all knew about the refs. I mean last year I think was the closest he was ever to, you know, to leave in Barcelona, like, you know, there were serious offers on the table. And then when he resigned, we were like, oh, OK, you know, he's going to stay for a couple more years. But this one completely came out of the blue because everyone, uh, it, even the parties themselves, they were, you know, they were ready to sign. They were about to put pen to paper. But unfortunately, it was due to uh, the league that, you know, um, for uh, the league said, hey, uh, you can't do this. And then, you know, that's what forced him to leave. And now um, he's joining uh, PSG and um you know it's just a complete turn i mean i never in a thousand years would have imagined him going to the french league and, and you know and one, one more thing i want to say is that i was never a barcelona fan you know, I, I if you pick barcelona or real madrid i'm gonna go with real madrid all the way but i mean as a madrid fan it, it's still sad it's gonna be weird you know not seeing Messi and number 10 you know mm-hmm. at barcelona because that is the one of the most iconic shirts and in all of sports, you know, like he's won so much, he's done it all. He's won the sex tuple, the trouble, like he's, he's just done everything. And I'm just, you know, just shocked at the end of the day.
1: You know, guys, I don't think there's anything else to say other than, than shock. It's just so strange. I mean, a year ago, this would have made much more sense. You know, he even, he even said in his press conference the other day of like, I wanted to leave last year. I did not want to leave this year. Mm. Um, and by the way, that press conference was—it was, was gut wrenching. But you know, all that being said, the 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 details around the situation still don't make a ton of sense to me, and I don't think they're ever going to. But um, I, I think we're all just going to have to accept that, um, that this is what needed to happen. Um, and, and what we saw on um, on that day, at that, that press conference, really was to me. Um, a man who was more than anything coming to terms with this is the reality of things. This is just what needs to happen. Um, and, you know, he had tried bargaining with himself and reasoning with the team and it just, it just wasn't going to happen. Um, so it's incredibly unfortunate. And, you know, i I fall under the um, persuasion of Real Madrid, typically myself, but there is a respect for Lionel Messi that goes beyond even international football. He is mm-hmm. one of the most respected men in the sport. Mm-hmm. So that is, something that is to his credit and always will be to his credit to see him play in the French league, which is, you know, we can, we can all admit a very different style of football um, is, is going to be really strange. Uh, To see him play with Neymar is going to be something, but it's just still going to be, it's still going to be. And Mbappe, I forgot about that, but it's, it's just going to be very strange. Um, So it's, it's something we're all going to have to get used to himself included, but you know, it's just it's just an odd situation, and it's unfortunate for for everyone involved with Barcelona. And you won't you don't wish you don't wish something like this upon your worst enemy, honestly. But all you can really say is, "Uh, good for PSG. They got the best sure, right. player they could possibly
0: get."
2: PSG has had a massive transfer window. They've gotten so many keys. They've got Donnarumma for goalkeeper, uh, Euro Player of the Tournament, Sergio Ramos from Madrid, one of the best. Oh, yeah. top- about of all that. time, four Champions Leagues, and countless trophies. They got uh, uh from Liverpool. I think that's a great addition. Forgot
0: about that too, jeez.
2: <laughs> he was actually going to Barcelona, but um, PSG took him, uh, and now they're getting Messi on a free. And I th- and the and according to uh, several sources, it's I believe. I forget how much money it's 25 million a year, I think. And, but the possibility of it being 35 with like a bonus uh, with bonuses and stuff, but the contract for Messi is two years. So the fact that in one window, because normally, you know, stars move, but not this many stars and it's specifically not to one team at the same time. Like, like right now. And let's be honest, as you said, Dylan, Liga is very different from La Liga. You know, it's, I'm. I'm gonna be frank. It's it's a bit easier for you know.
0: You could say. You could say. You know, yeah.
2: Like, like right. as of right now, I fully expect PSG to win all of the trophies in their in their league. They're gonna win Ligue 1 and whatever the domestic cups are called. I I don't know them. But now the real pressure is gonna be for them to win the Champions League. Yeah. Because you're telling me that if you have Messi, Neymar, and Bappe in attack, you have Ramos. Like you you have all of those people, and you can't win the Champions League. Like, then, then there's something fundamentally wrong. Like, th- they have to win it
1: now. You'd like- be like, if you don't win the Champions League, you're like, who are you, Man City?
0: But the real thing here is this. Hey, hey, my, hey.
1: my question, uh, and, and Michael, perhaps you know this better than, than maybe Alex or I, but.
0: Hey, hey, whoa, 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 jeez. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well,
1: I, I'm, I'm asking you a question that, like, it seems to me that after every big international break, PSG has the most, most lucrative transfer window ever. Is it just me that have you, have you noticed this too? Um I mean, I'm trying to remember when
2: they signed uh, Neymar. I want to say that was after 17 like in between 17 and 18. So um
1: I thought it was the year after that, like after no. after the World Cup. Am I wrong? Uh-huh, I'm trying to think. Um
2: I actually don't. I I forget what year, but I mean, it, it, if it is right
0: after. Please the World hold, please Cup.
2: Hold. No, 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 I think. Uh, Twenty
0: seventeen. Was- he went oh. to Paris Saint Germain. Twenty. Uh,
2: after the World Cup was Ronaldo. That that was the big move uh, to Juventus. You're right. Okay. Like and and if you've noticed, like a lot of teams have made a lot of good moves. Like say, in addition to PSG, I'm gonna I'm gonna change to um to the other team of Manchester United. They've had a a decent window.
0: They got Varane
2: from Madrid, you know, once again, four Champions Leagues, you know, bringing success. They got uh, Sancho finally after like, I forget how long it's been, like two years of begging. So, I mean, like, (laughs) all I know is that, um, and the fact that the leagues are starting next week, I believe, you know, I I just can't wait for this new season to start.
1: It's going to be great.
0: That's The weird thing about this is that like, you would think if Messi were to leave, it would have happened weeks ago. But the fact that it happened so close to the start of a domestic league is crazy, like you mentioned. But, man, I'm I'm with you, Michael. I don't think there's PSG. We've been saying for years they have to jump over that hump, and they just haven't been able to do it yet. But now you really have no excuse when you have one of the best players in the world on your team. You have probably three of the best players in the world on your team now. And I think the really interesting thing to me about this move and about soccer in general and also in other sports, I think there are some concerns now about the – the, um, the evenness of the leagues in a sense, because whenever you hear now about a transfer happening, you get the same destinations pretty much every time. I've been saying this about the NBA too. If somebody's going to get traded, instead of the Miami Heat, the Warriors, the Lakers, and that's it, there's three teams that they're going to go to. In soccer, it feels kind of similar at times. You're going to hear PSG, you're going to hear Manchester United, as you mentioned, or Manchester City, who's been getting everybody this transfer window as well. I get very concerned when we talk about the the Super League, for example, Is another example of that. About the, that direction for soccer, in a sense, about how the big market teams are almost getting a little bit of a monopoly over some of the other smaller ones. and I think this move is kind of an example of that. You know, Messi, at this point in his career, could have gone to a different team, but he still went to a, a top flight competitor. I think it has some implications, I think, on the sport, personally
2: yeah i mean i I completely agree i mean you know like these days the only things you're hearing are you know any of the top six in the Premier League or you know um or or, or in this or in this window PSg and, and you know I mean obviously at, at the end of the day they're the teams that have the most money you know at and and that's just said at the end of the day i mean uh, I take a look at psg their their owners are um wealthy uh, to say the least and, and so are and so is man city you know like like those they, those teams just have an endless amount of money. And, you know, that's why they wanted to make the Super League, because they would have made even more money. And, you know, I, I, I do feel like that is a slight problem. And there are rules and regulations, but I mean, obviously, we might need to take another look at them. Because, I mean, if you're telling me you can have Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe, like, if you can have all of those people on the same team, I mean, it, it sure, it's, it's every fan's dream to, you know, yeah. have your super team. But, I mean, as uh from, from a competitive standpoint i mean it's, it's like what's the point <laughs> you know
0: i'll just say too i'm a fan of super teams personally those who know me know that but this is a little bit different i think with soccer i don't know how you feel dylan but i just think this this move is a little bit different we're talking about not just super team this is three of the greatest players of all time right now that are on the same team and one's just, just getting started too i mean yeah
1: i i, I agree it's it's in, it's incredibly different i mean, it's also just the nature of like with the nba for example There's, there's the 30 teams and there's only going to be the 30 teams. And, you know, eventually things are going to even out because it's always going to be those 30 teams and they're individually owned and they don't have to move leagues that ever. It's just, it's just a different, (laughs) no pun intended. It's a very different ball game, but (laughs) when, when it comes, when it comes to international football, specifically in Europe, uh, you know, we, we talk about uh, the, the proposed super league and thank goodness, it doesn't look like it's really going to happen. But there, there does seem to be some level of <clears throat> closing things off, in a in a way that, um, and I, I do not mean this as a compliment, is incredibly American, um, is uh, and and it just kind of like it tarnishes this this system of international football that we have we have that you, the Europeans have spent a century building. It it just it 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 truly is the the money getting in the way of of, of the competitiveness of the sport now. That being said, I'm all for the entertaining thing happening in sport, um, but this is just to such an extreme level. Um, <clears throat> and you know, football is based on the promotion and relegation system. Uh, there are going to be times when you're not making it, but it, in a world of of, uh, of of corporate greed, that can that can tarnish things. So there's a real there's a real balance there that has not very clearly not been found. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in what this move is going to mean. And like you mentioned, Mike, I think from a Champions League perspective, this is going to be very exciting. I think this PSG oh, is yeah. going to be a team to watch. I,
1: I,
2: I can't wait to watch them play in the Champions League. I mean, that, that attack. I mean, uh, actually, I saw this post on I forget what social media, but it's like we, we have the best dribbler, the best passer, and, and the best shooter. And then we have uh, Mbappe and Neymar. Because just, <laughs> he is one of the greatest of all time. You know, like the fact that. He, I mean, I I, I just can't
0: wait. Uh, I think Mbappe is the one that I think is really interesting in this mix um, where he goes, because I got to think he's going to want to take ownership of his own team at some point. And he already had Neymar come in. Now he also has Messi coming in. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on the move in a few years. I'll just throw that out there. My pure speculation. I think Mbappe, uh, how young he is. I I just think there's something that's going to happen there personally.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, he's been linked with Madrid for, uh, for a while now, so I, I wouldn't be shocked if he decides to leave now and then go join Real Madrid because at in Madrid, I mean, the only biggest... I mean, the only other player that I can think of that's up in attack that's, you know, close to his level would be Benzema. And, and you know, I, and I feel like, you know, him going to Real Madrid... I mean, at, at the end of the day, Madrid and Barcelona are two of the biggest clubs in the world. Like, you know, like if... It, it, it's almost kind of like a rite of passage, you know, to play at, at one of those, at one of those clubs. So I, I do feel like he will leave maybe, maybe this summer. I mean, I, it might be too late cause you know, the transfer window closes in 21 days, I believe. But I mean, I, I fully expect him to move on. Cause I mean, at this point, I don't even think you can call it his club. It's, I oh. guess it's going to be Messi's club or yeah. you know, that's just, that's
1: what it is. Well, I also don't think that, Yeah, international football very clearly does not have the same idea uh, of—I'll put this in quotes—player loyalty to team, and to have here in the states, even when we barely have that here. But like, like you look at baseball. I think Mike Trout's going to be an angel forever. I don't think he's ever going to leave that team. I really, truly don't. Joey Votto has been with the Reds the whole. There are just there are some guys in 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 sports who are going to stay there that does not really happen at the top flights of international football in in Europe. It just doesn't really happen uh, because guys want to play for those, those storied teams. It's just a whole, it's a different thing, especially when there's, you know, six or seven big leagues that you could possibly play for and you want, and you want to play in all those different styles. That that can also be um, a point of trying to prove yourself like, okay, you can play in the Spanish style. Can you go play in the English style? Uh, it, you've you've made your mark at, at Real Madrid. Can you do this in Manchester? Um, that that that's that's something that exists there. That we that we as 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 Americans watching eight different sports at a time every single month of the year. Um, are not really completely accustomed to. So that's a, whole, that's a whole other aspect of this here if you ask me. but there's just there's just so much going on. I also don't think is going to stay with PSG forever. I just it's just not the same way we think of it. It's not, it's not a vegetarian way of, of, of doing things in, in European football.
0: Yeah, so a lot of interesting things there with Messi and PSG and we'll see how it unfolds. I think we're all really exciting uh, to see it. I think that's the number one thing and obviously all the implications of it in, in the year ahead for international soccer. Um, So we've had a lot of fun here, and the last thing I wanted to to talk about today was a little bit of Fordham news here at home that I found very interesting personally. Um, There was a club on campus founded about a year ago now, the the Fordham Sports Analytics Society, brand new, came out of the gates. One year later, they're already partnering with Fordham Athletics, which was a real surprise to me, I thought, and a really impressive thing. Uh, Speaking to the president, Peter Majors, and he discussed how the the club had put in so much work last year to get to this point. In already a year, they're already working with Fordham Athletics, and I think it's very interesting from an analytics standpoint in sports, because college athletics is very interesting where certain teams, you know, the the idea here is that these, this organization will field members to work with Fordham athletics teams to help them gain that competitive advantage that analytics can provide. And it's so interesting when you think about uh, at a national level here in the the States, and I'm sure in other countries as well, about the role analytics plays, you know, as you think about at a a you know, professional level, there are, that's an entire department of your team is dedicated to analytics, to getting the numbers, to, to gain that advantage. But now in college, you're starting to see it on what they describe as a fringe level. You're seeing it from individual students, from individual passion. And I don't know about you guys, but I think analytics is such an interesting place in sports. Something as organic as soccer, you're probably never going to see it. But then you have other sports like baseball where it almost has become a necessity. So I'm curious if you guys have any takeaways from that in terms of this club. Number one, working with form athletics. And number two, analytics place in sports as a whole.
1: Well, there, there's a whole bunch of different aspects here. For, for one thing, the fact that it, it's it's college, and most of these guys still aren't getting paid for 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 their playing. It's a it's a whole it's a whole different thing. Uh, I when I was like 12 years old, I was very frustrated by the fact that there was no college football playoff at the time, and I wanted a huge college football playoff. So I myself sat down and aligned all of the conferences to be like, okay, this is the kind of tournament you can get where you get like 64. Uh, 64 of the top college football teams in a uh, one game elimination tournament. You get played the whole way, but you realign the conferences like this and you put things here and this, that, the other thing. And I showed it to, I think it was my uncle Russ, I believe it was. And he said, well, you know, that's cool. But also it's, it's college. This isn't the pros who, who who cares if it's not even. And I was like, Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a fair, that's a fair point because it's like, you know, this is not, this is not the pros that being said though, when colleges get so much of their income from their top athletics, even at Fordham, even at Fordham for example, which is not you know we're not a Big Ten school, we're not a Big East. Maybe we'll be a Big East school one day, but we're not. Yeah. Um. We still get a whole lot of money from our basketball programs, from our football programs. We colleges live and breathe on it. We saw and we saw that issue occur during COVID, where you know, when those programs are not bringing you in the money, the school is going to struggle financially. Yeah. So that has in, in this, in this world of money, that becomes an important thing. Any advantage you can get, you're going to have to use. Now I, for one, I like analytics in baseball. I love like baseball is a sport, for example, that, that lives and breathes on its details. And the, the far you can get into that. I just, I just love it. I love the minutia of that. Um, but in in collegiate athletics it's a weird thing to see but perhaps Michael it's a necessary thing to see
2: uh yeah i mean uh, uh first of all you know uh congrats to being partnered with Fordham athletics especially yeah. in a, in one year it's no small feat and, and you know i i completely agree you know i mean first of all you know like analytics it, it, it's in every single sport you know uh and, and baseball you know like just take a look at i mean i uh, just take a look at that you have you know Like, most of baseball is just all, like, doing the math, like, averages, you know, expected runs, batted, like, all of that. And, um, you know, I – now, I I asked to back – to go back on what you said, Dylan, for the, um, you know, back in college. Um, I mean, I I, I would say that, you know, it is good to see because, you know, like, if anything, it might bring more people to just watch the games, you know, of the people who like, you know, the numbers. Oh, you know, uh, uh, let me take a look at the baseball game. But also, you know, I feel like say that you're one of the teams in the MLB, you know, they drafted, you know, they've drafted a bunch of players from colleges, obviously. So, you know, I feel like it's good to have those stats, you know, so so they can get a better picture. So, you know, I feel like for, you know, if you want to get into the majors and, you know, you're being scouted, it's good to have these metrics with you on your side. So, you know, you can have some, you know, stats, I guess. Yeah.
0: I think for me, what it speaks to most loudly is that just like you mentioned, kind of like every sport has this and sport is changing in general. That's the one thing I think I take away from this is that whether it's in at a college level, whether it's at a professional level, whether it's in baseball, whether it's in soccer, whatever it's in, even at the Olympics, I'm sure we see it as well. Analytics are going to have a staying power in sports and Fordham athletics is obviously at the charge of that. And that to have it at a student level is really interesting, too, because it speaks to the fact that there is an interest in it, I think is always an important thing, too. You know, I'm somebody who is not a big a big fan of it in certain sports, but at the same time, I think you have to respect it. And you have to understand that it's going to have a big role for a long, long time to come. So really interesting about that. Um, we'll see kind of how that unfolds this year. I'm really excited to see what that partnership brings. And thought it was worth mentioning here to, to wrap up our podcast. So guys, episode three in the books here on August 10th. Do you have any uh, final thoughts, weekend plans, things you want to share with our, with each other?
1: Uh, oh, I actually am interested in joining this uh Sports analytics department. This sounds kind of cool. So they have I a
0: form know. online. We should plug this actually. For those out there, there's a Google form. You could sign up, and you could join both the club, and you can also apply to work with a particular team. So there you go.
1: Nice. Okay, that's pretty awesome. I like that.
0: You into baseball? That's do probably baseball analytics.
1: But maybe so, but you know, um, I'm interested in the world of soccer analytics because you, you mentioned it's kind of a it's it's in its infancy if it exists at all. Mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd like to get on something new there, so maybe I'll maybe I'll wind up there somehow.
0: You got anything else, Mike?
1: Uh, yeah,
2: I mean, I I think I might go in on that as well. You know, I, I'm a huge soccer fan, as uh, if, if you couldn't tell uh, already. So you know, um, I I think I might give that a try. Um, and what about you, Alex? Any plans for you know, in, in the last couple of weeks of our summer vacation? Yeah,
0: you? it's a good point. I, well, I'm going to the movies tonight. That's probably the main thing. Looking forward Pretty to that. Beautiful. Seeing Suicide Squad. That should be fun. In IMAX, get the good the good seats. Um, so that that's my night tonight. And then the rest of the week, you know, we'll see what it brings. So. As always, it's a pleasure speaking with you guys. Got to make that a part of our week. And we thank you for listening as part of your week. This is Section 103, Episode 3, and we will talk to you all again soon.